You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feel like who art Ed? Who art is Mr. Wood? Art Ed? Me? Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be focusing on mandalas. Now, imagine for a moment you're planning a work of art. You start by crushing colored stones to make a sand. Next, you draw geometric patterns, carefully measuring out the shapes and symbols to make up the design. Now you're ready to create the work. You spend hours every day for weeks using chakpur, the traditional tools of sand painting. You carefully pour the sand into place using funnels and tubes. The sand doesn't really pour through too quickly, though, to fill the design. The chakpur is tapered to a fine point in order to give maximum control of minute details. You tap the tube to help the sand along as it slowly glides down to its resting place. After weeks of this painstaking work, what are you going to do with the final creation? The Buddhist monks of Tibet, who are known for their tradition of sand mandalas, They destroy the work after completing it. The word mandala comes from Sanskrit meaning circle, but a mandala is not your average two-dimensional shape consisting of an outer boundary called the circumference made up of points all equal distant from a fixed center point. No, a mandala is much more complicated. A mandala is a representation of the cosmos. While many people talk about mandalas in reference to radial symmetry, and typically we do see radial symmetry in a mandala design, it's more than just the symmetry and the balance. Mandalas have spiritual significance beyond mere repetition. The act of creating a sand mandala is meditative. It requires monks to focus, to be calm, still, and deliberate in their actions. Then, after completing the construction, they will leave it out for people to look upon and to contemplate for some period, and then move on to a ritual deconstructing of the piece. Even the deconstruction is a part of the artistic process with spiritual significance. Destroying the sand art is a reminder of the transitory nature of the universe. Buddhism was founded by Siddhartha Gautama in the 5th century BCE. Siddhartha became the Buddha, which means the enlightened one, when he gave up the trappings of the material world. One of his major insights was that people suffered because they craved permanence in an ever-changing world. He believed it was important to be mindful of the ephemeral nature of all things in this world and to release oneself from the burdens of attachment to material goods or seeking permanence. 
One idea is that personal accomplishments should be appreciated, but with the recognition that they are fleeting. Be mindful in doing things that you should be doing your best simply for the sake of doing so, not hoping for or expecting any sort of reward beyond that. I see a similarity here with the Western philosopher Aristotle's ideas of what he called eudaimonia, which he would say was the highest state of being a person could achieve, in which they were doing things for the sake of doing them and not as a means to some other end. The sand mandala is a meditation made visible for all. The creative process is a drawn-out meditation by the monks. But the design itself is also intended to be symbolic and spiritual, even just for people looking upon it. Every aspect of it, from the beginning of the creative process through the visualization and the ritual deconstruction, is meant to help people to be more mindful, to be in the moment and consciously aware that all things are fleeting, but there's something beautiful in that as well. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as I said, the sand mandala is a work that can take days if not weeks to create, and generally it goes in a couple of different stages. These stages are the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. There are others practiced by other sects in other areas, but here goes with a quick overview. First comes the preparation for the work. They need to choose a location, and it can be in any location. It doesn't have to be a temple. Sometimes I've seen these created in museums, of course, universities, other public gathering spaces. But an area is selected and then it is it is purified, it is sanctified and made holy with incense. There will be a team of monks who will actually create the mandala, but there's usually one senior monk who is responsible for the design. Next comes the drawing. After the design is chosen, you know, not all mandalas are going to look the same. They they design it using chalk and this is something that like monks study and practice and learn the arts and develop their craft before they they go into creating these larger scale sand pieces. Um you know, just like we train to paint and draw in other areas, this is something that they take very seriously and they study 
for years they study the arts before making these um, ritualistic mandalas. The design might feature a Buddha in the center, there may be a Tibetan star, another Buddhist deity, um, and the design may be sort of circular or more squared. But the designs always begin at the center and they work their way out. Next comes the painting stage, and calling this painting may seem a little bit um, disingenuous to some because it's not really paint that they're using. They're using colored sand, and as I said, they begin at the center. They follow the lines of the design, laying out the sand in sort of a delicate outline. The chakpur is a metal cylinder. It's it's basically a tube that... Um, it's about the size of like an average pencil, and it has a small opening at the end. So it's letting out just tiny bits at a time, very, very controlled. It's not at a steep angle, so like the sand is not flying through. It's a relatively low angle, and they're they're sort of tapping it on the side with a small um, wooden block or metal rod that is going to sort of help the sand to glide down. Um, very slowly so that they have better control over where it is going. Of course, as I say, the chakpur is the traditional tool that's typically used, but there are differences amongst different monks. Uh, some monks actually will prefer to create the design applying the sand by hand, just scooping out small bits and dispensing it with their thumb and fingers. Next comes the shading and accent. And, you know, just like in any other art form, I feel like the shading, the variations in the hues and all of that sort of stuff really brings it to life. The sand painting starts off with sort of the contour line drawing, um, the outlines of the different designs, and then they start to fill in the pieces. Uh, again, monks might work in teams, usually two or four sections, and they always start in the center and work their way out. And finally, the finishing stage. Once the mandala is completed, it will stay up for a little while for people to interact with, to look at, to, to sort of contemplate and learn from. But then all of these pieces will come to an end. Um, they specify the time in advance and the monks will reconvene, they'll come together and they will start to perform a ritual closing it out, um, breaking it down, deconstructing it. There will be blessings and prayer and purifications and then the lead monk will draw a line vertically through the center of the mandala and then another horizontally. Um, they'll either do this with a ritual object or sometimes they will use their finger, but the result is the same. The work is ruined. The other monks will then start to push the sand around into a heap. Depending on you know the circumstances, why it was created, sometimes sand is poured into little plastic bags, which are given to spectators and guests as blessings. And sometimes the sand is brought to a running stream where it's ritually poured out into the waters. And again, it is, you know, all about this being deconstructed and it's washed away and it is 
you know, it is dust in the wind or in the water. As the sand mandala, like everything else in the world, is destined to be broken down and scattered and reincorporated into something else. Because the only true constant is change. That and podcasters will constantly be begging you to please leave a rating or review and be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.